Hey, what's up, guys? We are so excited that you were joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can connect and engage with other Grace members around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. I am blessed. I am forgiven. I am chosen. I am a member of God's family. I am a Dave. I am alive in Christ. I am holy. I am adopted. I am included. I am born on purpose with a purpose. I am a minister. I am a warrior. When you clap for that, you know it's going to be a great message. <laughs> hot crowd, hot crowd. I love it. It's awesome. I'm out of practice, so uh, you might want to uh, give me some grace today. Uh, there's so much in my spirit, I'm afraid I'm going to do the machine gun approach. Like, da, 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 da. So you're just going to have to brace yourself. All right? There's a lot in my heart I want to share with you here today. If you've got a Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 1 in the New Testament. One of the letters from the Apostle Paul <clears throat> that he wrote to his ch the Ephesians church there. For the next few weeks, we're going to uh, go verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. So before we get to that, can I just take a moment and just say how grateful I am uh, for our staff, especially our pastoral team uh, that have been taking care of things while we've been away for the past six weeks, and really just a big thank you to all of them, not just preaching and teaching, but leading the way they have. Big shout out to our executive pastor, David Hall, whom I left in charge while, he were, while we were gone, and not only is it just great, it's better, and so would you help me say a big God bless you to David and our pastoral team. Thank you guys so much. As a matter of fact, next Sunday, uh, the board and myself have agreed that next Sunday is going to be the day that we're going to observe Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And so if you would, next Sunday, would you be prepared to give an offering uh, to the pastoral staff? Now, uh, this offering's not going to be for myself or Tracy. Uh, our board does an amazing job just treating us with generosity. Uh, by the way, they just gave us six weeks away in honor of 25 years, which is amazing. When we had conversations with other people and we said, here's what we're doing, they're like, why aren't you at work? And they didn't ask it like that. But, you know, like, hey, our board gave us six weeks away as, as a gift. And like, that's just amazing. And so we're really grateful for that. So next week, the offering is going to be for our pastors and their spouses. And so if you would help us out, uh, that would be a great way to show appreciation to them. Because how many know they deserve it, right? And so we're grateful for each one of them. Now, a lot of you have asked, you know, what did you and uh, Tracy do these last six weeks? Well, uh, I haven't set an alarm clock until this morning. <laughs> that wasn't very nice, <laughs> you know. Uh, we traveled. I started the week before we took the break. I was in Africa for a week for a missions week. Got to preach in a local church in Tanzania. Uh, apparently, I preached better in Swahili or at least the translator preached better than me. Lots of people gave, gave their heart to the Lord. One lady was set free of demonic stuff. It was powerful to see and watch, just amazing. We'll tell more about what we saw in Africa for our Christmas offering. But uh, Tracy and I got to travel a little bit. We were on both coasts. Uh, we uh, Multiple flights, different places. My son and I got to go to Florida for a golf trip, but we had to leave early because of uh, this little hurricane that happened down there. And so the hotel said, we're evacuating tomorrow. You got to go. So we drove to Atlanta and finally found our way home. So we thank God for that. But uh, we rested, we read, we did a lot of great stuff. But uh, we visited several churches really all over the country. And how many know God's church is awesome everywhere? And so we're excited about that. But can I tell you that there's really no place like home? And so we are so grateful to be back and to be with you. So grateful that you give us the honor of being your pastor and uh, just your love and your graciousness toward us is just amazing. And so thank you so much uh, for all of your love. 
Uh, today we're going to begin this series through the book of Ephesians, and I'm, I'm simply calling it I Am. So let's start with this question. If I were to ask you to take the phrase I Am blank, what would you fill in the blank about you? If you took a moment and said, okay, I am, and if you said, well, well I am rich, or I'm poor, or I'm middle class, then you would be basing your identity on your financial status. If you said, I am white, I am black, I am Latino, you would be basing your identity on your ethnicity or the color of your skin. If you said, I am tall, or I am short, or I am skinny or pre-skinny, After six weeks of being on vacation, I, I'm embracing pre-skinny, if you know what I'm saying. Some people say, Pastor, you look so good. I'm like, because I ate so much. It was awesome. Anyway, but uh, if we did that, we would be basing our identity on our physical traits and characteristics. I mean, you know, a big conversation in our culture right now is I'm a man or I'm a woman or something else. You know, we, we would be basing our identity on our gender. There's a lot of things that we can base our identity on, but today, and through the book of Ephesians, I want to show you that God wants us to base our identity on who God says I am. I'm convinced if you'll get this, it'll change your life. If you'll begin to base who you are based on what God says about you, not what your mom and dad said about you, not what your boss says about you, not what your spouse says about you, well, not what some ballistic coach or teacher said about you when you were a kid, but if you will believe what God says about you, you will begin to walk in a freedom in Jesus Christ that you've never known. That's what the book of Ephesians is, is all about. Uh, it's all about who we are in Jesus Christ, and as followers of Jesus, we want our, identi our identity to be in Jesus. This past summer, I asked my family, I said, what if we read the book of Ephesians as a family every day for the summer? And they all said, uh, okay. <laughs> and so we did that. We all took the challenge to read the book of Ephesians every day. It takes about 18 minutes to read the book of Ephesians uh, from start to finish. It's only six chapters. So we would read it, uh, various translations, we would listen to it on the Bible app and things like that. But through the summer, God just gave me lots of revelation. Sometimes, you know, in our approach to Bible study, we just want to go from the beginning to the end and start over again in January, and that's great. But sometimes we just need to really dig in to a, what God is saying in a particular book. As a matter of fact, as a pastor, my goal every year is to take you through a book of the Bible two or three times a year. Now, I, we're going to talk about different topics, like right before I left, we were talking about the second coming of Jesus. We need to talk a lot about, you know, families and marriage and things like that. But we also really need to be careful that we're taking you through a book of the Bible, because after all... This, this statement that I made earlier this year I think is so important. My success as a follower of Jesus is directly related to my commitment to consistently engage with God's word. So uh, my goal is not to make you a follower of Wayne or a follower of Grace Assembly of God. Our goal here is to help you to be a lifelong follower of Jesus. And the way to be successful as a follower of Jesus is to make sure that you are consistently engaging in some way with God's word. Good preaching, amen, pastor. It's great to have you back. You're welcome, okay? And so I don't want to just give you a fish every Sunday. I want to teach you to fish. And so that's what we're going to do verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And I promise uh, you're going to love it. Now, the book of Ephesians is, as I said, it's a short letter. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this from prison in about AD 62. And this is a very personal letter because uh, in the book of Acts, you read that Paul took three missionary journeys. And what's important about that is that he visited Ephesus every single time. 
And one of, the t- one of the journeys, the second one, he spent three years there just teaching them about God's word. So Ephesians is a very personal letter. So what's Ephesians all about? My Bible study note says it this way, that the book of Ephesians is addressed to a group of believers who are rich beyond measure in Jesus Christ, yet living as beggars only because they're ignorant of their wealth. So this whole letter is Paul helping these believers in Jesus understand who they are in Jesus Christ because many of them don't understand who they are in Christ and how important that is. And how many know 2,000 years later, we still need to be reminded of who we are in Jesus Christ because there are far too many believers walking in spiritual poverty instead of spiritual riches because we don't understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm preaching better than your amen and Here's an outline of the book of Ephesians that I think will help you to understand. The first three chapters, what Paul talks about is right belief or doctrine, correct thinking about God, correct thinking about sin, correct thinking about us. So he doesn't give, you know, do this, do that. He saves that for the last half chapters four through six, which is about right behavior. He talks about family. He talks about submission. He talks about relationships, right? But he doesn't do any of that until he says, you got to get your thinking right before you get your behavior right. Some of you struggle with your behavior. And the reason you struggle with the things that you do is because the things that are going on in your head And if you can get your head right about you, about God, about sin, about the world, about family, all of a sudden your behavior will begin to follow. In other words, right thinking leads to right behavior. That's the big idea I want to give you today. Right thinking leads to right behavior. Paul takes several uh, verses here in the book of Ephesians, and he talks about the importance of our thinking. In chapter 1, verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. Now, when Paul says that you may know him, what's he talking about? He's talking about your mind, your knower. Anybody have a knower? How do you know in my knower? Talk about our head, right? In our thinking, he says, so that you'll think right about God. In chapter 1, verse 18, <clears throat> he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which his called you. Paul says, I want you to get it right in your mind. And then I love this, chapter 4, verse 23, he says, you got to be made new in the attitude of your minds. First of all, just knowing that your mind has an attitude explains a lot, (laughs) right? But he says, I want you to have the right attitude in your thinking because if you renew the way that you think, it will change your behavior. Here's what I'm trying to tell you, that the more I see myself the way God sees me, the, the more I understand who I am in Christ Jesus, the more my life will change, the more my behavior will change. See, we bought into this version of Christianity that says, if I do this, God will love me. If I do this, God will be pleased. Can I tell you, doing is not what Paul's talking about. It's about being. It's about thinking correct, and then our behavior will follow. I'm going to skip a few here because... There's a lot. Uh, The word in Christ or the phrase in Christ is found in the book of Ephesians 37 times. So in these six chapters, an average of six a chapter, a lot of it is in chapter one and two, in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, this is who you are. So we need to understand that the book of Ephesians is a book about identity, about who I am, about who you are in Jesus Christ. Now, there are 37 of them. I'm going to give you 11 in the next 22 minutes, which means if I take two minutes per
her point. Pray, people, pray. Are you ready? Let's start with chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people, remember that, we're going to come back to that in a second, in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, there's that phrase, in Christ. So here's the first thing that's true of you, if you're going to fill in the blank that says I am, because what God says, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Everybody say, I am blessed. blessed. Say, I am blessed. blessed. Now, my goal is to convince you of that in two minutes, that you are blessed. First of all, you just need to know that's what God says, that's not what Wayne says, right? Matter of fact, this verse, I am blessed, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, is really the nutshell of Ephesians. This is what Ephesians is all about. You need to understand that because of Jesus Christ, you are blessed, You don't need to be blessed. You don't need to ask to be blessed. You're already blessed because you're in Jesus. That's really good news. I even brought my own white hanky today just to testify myself. Can I sing an old song? I'm older now. But we used to sing this song in church. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. We are blessed. We've got shelter, clothing, and strength. We are blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm just going to tell you, if I were to visit some other church and preach like this, they'd say, who is this guy? But you love me, and I appreciate that so much. Listen, God gave us everything when he gave us Jesus. Watch this. And it's not that he's holding anything back. The Bible says he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He can't bless you any more than you're blessed right now. You're not getting this. God can't bless you any more than he has already blessed you because of Christ Jesus. That's why, listen... I think the fact that we don't understand this is why a lot of Christians are living in spiritual poverty because we don't know what God has already given to us, right? It's not that he will bless us. You know, when we get to heaven, we'll be blessed. Or when things turn around, we'll be blessed. No, I'm blessed right now. And that's actually who I am. And this is huge because some of you think you're cursed. And that's a lie. Because the Bible says opposite. The Bible says you're blessed. And if the Bible says I'm blessed, guess what? I'm blessed. Woo-hoo. Right? I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. We don't need to be blessed. We have been blessed. God doesn't need to act in our behalf. He has already acted in our behalf by giving us Jesus. So the message of Ephesians is not, you're not what you should be, so get busy and fix it. The message of the New Testament is God has already done everything you need him to do, so live like it. Here's a good way to put it. Uh, We need to live like somebody who has been blessed, not like somebody who needs to be blessed. You need to walk around. This is your identity. I'm blessed. I can't help it. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But because of Jesus Christ, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Jesus, give God praise if you're glad that you're blessed. Being blessed, however, doesn't mean that you won't walk through valleys. It doesn't mean that difficult things won't happen in your life. It does mean, however, that when you walk through those valleys and when difficult things do happen in your life, God can even turn those things around to be a blessing. Amen. I am blessed. That's just one. Ten more. Here we go. Verse four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Write this down. In Jesus, I am chosen. 
You guys ever watch the TV show, The Voice? Right, when those guys and gals, they sing, and these judges have their backs turned. Right, and they're sitting there listening. If they like what they hear, woo! I choose you to be on my team. You know, in effect, that's what God's done for all of us. God turned his chair, and he said, I choose you. Not because you're awesome, not because you can sing, not because you're talented. I choose you because I love you. That's good news. He chooses us. How about Toy Story, right? Buzz and Woody are stuck in that toy machine with those little green aliens. Here comes the claw, you know? And they're like, he has been chosen. You're welcome. God knew us before we existed. Let me go back for a second. When did he choose us? He chose us before the creation of the world. Wow. Some of you think your life has no purpose and you're just this accident. No, 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 no. In Jesus, you have been chosen. Why are you here today? Why are you watching online today? Why now? Is this some random happenstance, this cosmic accident? No, no, no. God chose you to be here today in this moment to hear this word right now. He chose you. I love it. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 4. For he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So write this down. In Jesus, I am holy and blameless. I know some of us would struggle with just simply saying the words that I am holy because we would say, that sounds like I'm being a hypocrite because I know what I struggle with and I know the things that I've, I've done. So let me remind you that you don't earn holiness. You don't become holy by doing holy things. If that's our religion, then that's the religion of every other religion in the world. I'm earning the favor of God. Being holy means that I didn't earn holiness. God gave me the gift of holiness because of Jesus Christ. You got to get this. Because we're like, well, but what? If, so then our behavior doesn't matter. Then we can do whatever we, we want to do. And, and it doesn't matter. No, First Peter says, be holy because I am holy. But I want you to notice it doesn't say do holy. It says be holy. Holy is who I am. So when it comes to do I watch that, do I listen to that, do I participate in that activity, it's about does a holy person do that? Does a holy person participate in there? How I many know that's a whole different conversation? It's who I am. And when the Holy Spirit convicts me about sin and things that I'm participating in, guess what? He's not condemning you saying you're a loser, you're this, you're that. He's like, that's not who you are. You are holy in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I just really want to pause for a minute and just say to, to a bunch of you people, well, let me keep going. I'm going to run out of time. One of the books that, that Tracy and I started reading on our break was called Atomic Habits. Now, this is not a Christian book. It's just a book about building good habits. But I was fascinated uh, because I knew what I was preaching about. And, and look at this. He says true behavior change is identity change. He goes on to say that your behaviors are usually a reflection of your identity. Research has shown that once a person believes in a particular aspect of their identity, they are more likely to act in alignment with their belief. So he says, stop setting goals or I'm going to do this or this and start changing who you think you are. I'm like, where do you get that? <laughs> you probably got it from Ephesians. Right? Our identity changes our behavior, which is so awesome, and also means that you should stop calling yourself a sinner. I think it's a one thing that uh, a lot of Christians, especially in America, I think especially in the Midwest where we're at, well, you know, pastor, we're all sinners. I'm just a sinner. Guess what sinners do? They sin. Why in the world do you keep calling yourself a sinner? Did, did Paul start the letter to Ephesians to all the sinners in Ephesus, the people who just can't get their act together. Is that how you address No, he says, to all of God's holy people. 
You keep thinking yourself as a sinner, you're going to keep on sinning. You start identifying as a holy person, your behavior will change. Let's keep going. Uh, chapter 1, verse 4. In love, he predestined us for adoption. So write this down. Uh, I am adopted. What happens when somebody gets adopted? That person who is adopted is granted all of the legal rights, the name, and property of the person adopting them. Guess what? In Christ Jesus, God adopted you. He gave you his name. He gave you all of his stuff. He gave you everything, his identity of who you are. You are now adopted. Legally, you are mine. Pretty awesome. And then he goes on to say, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely gave us in the one he loves. Write this down. I'm a child of God. He adopted us as sons and daughters of the most high God. That's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Because I'm not a slave. I'm a son. And in John chapter 1, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. I'm not a slave, I'm a son. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And what happened was they had been slaves for so long, it was in their mind. Their dad was a slave and his dad was a slave and their dad's dad was a slave on and on. And slave mentality became part of their culture. So God calls them out of Egypt and he gives them the book of Leviticus because he doesn't want them to think like slaves anymore. He wants them to think like sons and daughters. Around here, we call that finding freedom because when I begin to align my thinking with God's thinking about who I am, that's when the freedom of God's word begins to set me free. Because how many know the enemy is the opposite? He will lie to you, and he wants you to agree with what he says about you that is not true. God wants you to agree with his words about you, which is true. You just got to realize who your dad is. Heard a story about three boys. They were in recess at school. They were bragging about their dads. The first boy said, you know, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a poem. People give him $50. Second boy says, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a song, and they give him $100. Third boy says, I got you both beat. My dad scribbles some words on a piece of paper. He calls it a sermon, and it takes eight people to collect all the money. My dad's better than your dad. I love that. <laughs> Who's your father? My, my father's better than your father. People, come on. My, my dad is God himself. He loves me. He adopted me. He chose me. Are you getting this yet? This is powerful stuff. Let's keep going. Chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. Okay? So watch this. I am redeemed. Now, what does it mean to, be, to redeem? Well, to redeem is to pay something for the value of something, right? So when I was a kid, people drank Pepsi and Coke out of real glass bottles. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, if you're from Kentucky, you put peanuts in your Pepsi. I'm just saying. It's really not that bad. If you leave it overnight, it's bad. But you got, it's got to be fresh, peanuts got to be salt. Anyway, sorry. So when you were done drinking the Pepsi or the Coke, you could take the glass bottles back to the grocery store to redeem them for money. They give you like, what, 10 cents, 25 cents or whatever. You know, and my brother and I, who is present today, may or may not have snuck to the back of the grocery store and grabbed some cartons of empty bottles and turned around to the front of the grocery store and redeemed them. I said may or may not have for money so we could buy those long brown moor cigarettes and go smoke them in the alley with a boy named Rooster. I mean, this, you can't make this stuff up. 
so if anybody knows the owner of JC in Columbus, I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations is over, you know, and <laughs> I'm talking about being redeemed, right? You could turn those bottles in for a few cents, but I want you to see what God paid for you. In him, we have redemption through his blood. God saw you and he didn't say, oh, 25 cents. I'll redeem him for 25 cents. He didn't look at you and say, oh, I'll redeem her for 25 cents. Here's what I'm going to pay for you. I'm going to give you my son. What God paid for you means that you are priceless. You can't put a dollar amount on the way God feels about you. I heard a story about a pastor who was preaching through Ephesians. He was preaching about what I'm preaching about today. An older gentleman came up to me and said, I've been going to church my whole life. I had no idea that God felt this way about me. I hope you're starting to get a picture of who you are in Jesus Christ, that you are redeemed, amen? And then uh, uh, my brother and I are very grateful for the next part. Uh, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Write this down. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. That's good news. In Christ, I'm forgiven of every sin, every mistake, every wrong word spoken, every crime, everything I've done or said. And I want you to notice the verse says he forgives us, he lavishes forgiveness on us. It's pretty awesome. Now, in the summer, when I'm reading through Ephesians, uh, the young adults from Grace were at my house for their Wednesday night meeting. By the way, young adults at Grace meet every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. This Wednesday, they're meeting uh, here at the church at 7. So, but this summer, it was at my house. Uh, Pastor Mark Harris asked me to share the devotion, so I did. And guess what I shared from? Ephesians. That's where I was, you know? And so I said, let's go through the chapter one and everything that's true about you in Christ. I want you to circle that. And so we came up with this list that I'm preaching to you today. I am chosen. I am blessed. Uh, I am redeemed and, 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 and I am forgiven. And so after we came up with this list, we picked a few of them to stand in front of the crowd. And I had another young adult read the list about them. You know, like, hey, Mark, you are blessed You are redeemed. You are chosen. You are forgiven. Can I tell you it's powerful when you hear God's word spoken over you? After we did that exercise, I asked a few of them, I said, which one of those statements was the hardest for you to hear? And almost every one of them said, the hardest statement to hear was I am forgiven. Somebody needs to hear this because people around you are being robbed of your gift. This unique skill, this thing that God has given to you, and the reason is because you have disqualified yourself because you believe the lie of the enemy that you are not forgiven, that you are stained, that you are disqualified in some way. And here God's word is clearly saying to you that in Christ you are forgiven. And it is no longer held against you. Somebody needs to give God praise that I am forgiven through the blood of God's son, Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I am, I am forgiven. All right? Let's try to rush through this. Also, uh, verse 12, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. All right? So here's what's true. I am included. I'm not an outsider. I'm an insider. So to all of you that never got picked for your kickball team in grade school, you're in like Flynn, all right? So we are included. Chapter 2, verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. So guess what? Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So that means I am alive. And I am not dead. This is, this is so important because it's powerful. So Because being alive is way better than being dead. Now, some of you might be shaking your head and say, what are you talking about? We're talking about salvation. 
that when I repent and I follow Jesus and I serve Jesus Christ, I go from being dead spiritually to being alive spiritually. See, a lot of people think that being saved is about making bad people good when it's really about making dead people alive. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul says, and I think he chose this word on purpose, he says we are God's handiwork. Lean in, if you would. We read about Paul's experience in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19 and 20. And what we learn in those two chapters, when Paul goes to Ephesus, the whole town worships this goddess, Diana of the Ephesians. Read those two chapters. It's fascinating background to what Paul's talking about here. And as people begin to turn their lives over to Jesus Christ, they take these idols that have been made and fashioned out of metal and different things to represent the goddess Diana, and they bring them to the town and they burn them. A holy riot begins to break out. So the people who sell these idols get really ticked off. Paul gets in trouble, gets thrown, he gets pulled right in front of the whole town and the 50,000 people chanting, great is Diana of the Ephesians, great is, which is demonic. But what was the deal? It was about this idol worship. And so Paul was calling them to faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to notice in Ephesians, as he writes to them years later from prison, he says, we are God's handiwork because every one of those Ephesians probably would have held in their hand one of those gods that had been fashioned by a man's hand. And Paul says, you are not a man that's going to hold God in your hand. God has you in his hand and he fashioned you. He created you. He formed you in his hand. There's no one else like you in the world. There's no one else with your gifts and your ability and your story and your testimony. God, I hear this. You are God's handiwork. Another translation says you're God's masterpiece. God created you need to stop telling yourself how, how, how broken you are and how, uh, how, how unusable you are. God says to you, you are my masterpiece. You are my handiwork. You're not a mistake. Write, th write this down. I think this is so powerful. I'm created on purpose and for a purpose. In Jesus Christ, I'm not a mistake. I'm not an accident. God has a purpose for me, and God has a plan. I think this is important because far too many people wake up every day with no purpose in their life. And one survey says that 80% of Christians don't understand what their spiritual gifts are. So we're not even living in who we are in Jesus Christ because we don't know that we're created on purpose, for a purpose. Let's keep going. One more. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Write this down, last one. I am a member of God's family. I am a member of God's family. In Christ, I'm not alone. I'm not an orphan. I'm not by myself. I belong to God's family. And let me just go ahead and say, God's family is huge, and it's awesome. A um, couple months ago, I had the opportunity to be in Africa, uh, and I was in a country that is predominantly Muslim. Uh, had the privilege of witnessing the baptism of a young man who grew up in a Muslim family, but had recanted his faith in Islam and put his faith in Jesus Christ to save him. Now, by the way, the ministry that he was part of that helped him come to Christ is a ministry that you and I have invested in over the years through our Christmas offering projects. They were teaching him English. They built a relationship with him. He found Christ as Savior. I had the opportunity to witness his baptism. 
I'm standing on the beach, and here he is being baptized. As he walks out of the water, had the opportunity to greet him as a brother in the faith. He didn't speak my language, I didn't speak his. His skin color was different than mine. His culture totally different than mine. His story totally different than mine. But guess what? In Jesus, we are a family. It's amazing. I want you to pray for this young man because after, how many know when you get baptized in water, you are publicly proclaiming Christ as Savior. His family finds out about it. They abducted him, took him out of the country, and now are trying to forcibly get him to recant his faith in Jesus through a Muslim teacher. So pray for this man. Are you with me today? We're part of God's family, and God's family is awesome. Before we pray, I want to show you a clip of a movie that I love. It's called Overcomer, and it's the story of a young teenage girl named Hannah who uh, is raised by her grandmother. Her grandmother, uh, her, her mom is dead. Her grandmother tells Hannah that her dad is also dead, so she grows up thinking that she's an orphan. As the movie plays out, you realize that her dad is still alive, but he's in the hospital and he's about to pass away. So the movie's all about the fact that Hannah struggles with her identity, who she is. She's, she has asthma, so she deals with that. Uh, she doesn't get great grades. Uh, she steals things from other people. She's really wrestling with her identity. And then uh, there's this cross-country coach and this high school principal who really try to help her to understand who she is because of what Jesus has done for her. And this is the scene toward the end of the movie where she starts to come to grips with who she is in Jesus Christ. Watch this. Anna, you okay? Ask me who I am. Ask me who I am. Who is Hannah Scott? I am created by God. He designed me. So I'm not a mistake. His son died for me. Just so I could be forgiven. He picked me to be his own. So I'm chosen. He redeemed me. So I am wanted. He showed me grace just so I could be saved. He has a future for me because he loves me. So I don't wonder anymore, Coach Harrison. I am a child of God. I just wanted you to know. Would you stand with me? If you can align your thinking with God's thinking, the result is freedom. God wants you to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. And one of the very best ways to align your thinking with God's thinking is to align your words with God's words. Words are powerful. And if we will begin to confess what God says about us, all of a sudden our minds are gonna change. And then that right thinking is gonna lead to right behavior. So today I wanna challenge you to speak over yourself what God says. Are you ready? I want you to say it like you mean it. 
And I want to remind you that this is not wishful thinking. It's not positive thinking. It's right thinking. Because this is God's word. This is what God says. If you have an argument with him about it, take it up with him. But he's pretty smart. He knows some stuff. And this is what he says about you. If you're online, say this out loud. If you're in the room, say this out loud like you mean it. Are you ready? Five of you are ready. I've been preaching for 45 minutes trying to get you ready. Are you ready? I am blessed. Do you believe it? I am blessed. Oh, you got to get that. I'm blessed. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. Are you ready? I am He chose me. Say it out loud. I am adopted. Everything that God has, he gave to me in Jesus. I am a child of God. I am redeemed. I am Let that settle in your spirit, somebody. I'm forgiven. It's all gone. It's all in the past. That's what God says. Let's keep going. I am included. I am alive. I am created on purpose for a purpose. I am a member of God's family. Somebody give God praise for the truth of God's word. Why is this so important? Because the enemy's number one tactic against you is to lie to you and to get you to not believe any of these things. Instead of agreeing with God's word and what God says about you, he wants you to agree with what he says about you, which is a lie. Now that's next week's message. This week was really a setup for next week. And I'm just gonna go ahead and declare that next week will be a life-changing Sunday for many people when the lies of the enemy are going to be exposed and we replace the lies with the truth and all of a sudden we're going to begin to be set free through the power of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to ask that no one be moving, but would you take a moment right where you're at and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Holy Spirit, speak to me about about today, about being in Christ, about my identity and who I am in Jesus. Would you take just a moment where you're at and just say, and just listen to the voice of God saying, which one of these things are, that I haven't believed or what's the lies that I've accepted as true but God's word says the opposite is true. Just take a moment and let the spirit of God speak to you today. Just let it settle in in your heart. still bowed, eyes are still closed. I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that somebody has accepted the label of a liar because somebody has told you that. People have repeated that over you time and time again. And God's word says in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. That is not who you are. I feel the Holy Spirit saying that somebody has worn the label of adulterer for years and years and years because of what something has happened in your past, but that's in the past and that is no longer who you are because you are forgiven in Jesus Christ. I want you to receive God's word here today. He loves you. He loves us. And we're grateful. If you came to church today, I want you to understand that the only way these things are true about you is if you are in Christ. Something pretty amazing happens when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, when I embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. Everything about me changes in a moment. 
What an amazing invitation that God gives to us through Jesus Christ. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm chosen. I'm blessed. I'm adopted. And I'm a member of God's family. It doesn't happen because you want it to. It happens because God gives it to us through Jesus. And the way you receive all of those things is by receiving Jesus. If you haven't done that, you're not following Jesus. I want to invite you to make a decision today. From this day forward, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life is in Christ. If that's you today, I want to lead you in prayer. Very simple prayer, but a powerful prayer. I want you to agree with me and others around you are going to pray and encourage you as well. But if you're making that decision today for the first time or for the first time in a long time, pray this way. God, thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you that you love me. You proved it on the cross. And because of the cross, I know I've sinned. Please forgive me. From this day forward, my life is yours. I surrender. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you give God praise for the powerful gospel? People just went from death to life and we're golf clapping. Come on, give God praise. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Grace Assembly of God podcast so you're up to date on all sermons. Also, if you want more Grace content, make sure you subscribe to the Deeper Grace podcast, where Pastor Wayne will dive deeper into his most recent message. Have a great week, and God bless.